0: Hail, hail, the Celts are here, and what the hell do we care about getting beat 6-4 off a of Yokohama in pre-season? Pre-season preparations are well underway now, and the, the saucepan is bubbling on the pot there now, with people going mad about defenders, mad about transfer speculation, and everything else in between. This week, Quinny again here, of course, on the Flagship Podcast, and I'm joined by Matthew. Matthew, good to meet you, mate. Thanks for joining us. You too, mate. Thanks thanks for having me on. Uh delighted to be on, so uh, cheers, mate. Yeah, I think we're probably the only Celtic fans doing content now that are proper smiling ear to ear, just happy to be here and all the rest of it. Because it has been storm clouds, hasn't it? This Yokohama result has really uh, put the cat amongst the pigeons for everyone, hasn't it?
1: It has a bit. I, I guess listen, it's, it wouldn't be Celtic uh, pre-season without a few sort of jitters and freaking out moments. It's it's our first real game. Let's let's face it. So I'm trying not to panic too much about it. It was uh, it was a strange result, which you'll see in preseason. So trying to keep my, my feet in
0: the ground. Do this one. Yeah, anticipation was really high because it's like Brendan Rodgers' first like competitive game. We've seen the people, you know, like chasing around the training ground in like uh, Portugal and all that kind of stuff, and trying to catch some action of the the behind closed door football. But this is the first official match where we're looking at the lineup. We're looking at you know how's he maybe going to set them out? How does he see this guy fitting into the team? And you know, Yokohama. Obviously, we've been getting their best players brought over to Glasgow recently. And, you know, they're halfway through their season. Top goal scorers in the division as well. 44 goals in 21 games in the league alone, never mind cups and all the rest of it. Um, so it was definitely a bit of a test um, as far as a pre-season game goes. One thing I, 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 I'll i throw at you, Matthew, I think it's a wee bit maybe undersold about this whole affair, is that this is the shop window for all those Yokohama players, <laughs> particularly the ones that are uh, under the age of 25, because it's very realistic that, you know, if you put on a good performance against us, maybe one of us, we've seen even Hearts and a few other teams go into the Japanese market recently from Scotland. Um, so, you know, those guys, thats like a cup final to them, you know, so they were probably extra motivated in a different way compared to um, the boys in green.
1: I know, well, that, that's a good point actually and, and I guess it's, uh, there's a, a little bit of irony in it all I suppose we're playing them. Obviously, Ange was supposed to be there former a club and, and of course they, they are playing the Ange ball that, that we are so accustomed to so, it's it's possibly not surprising that a team that are in their flow and have got players that are, as you say, maybe looking to 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 move on to different climates, as you know they've they've came at us and they've had a the really right good go at it, and um, so you know that's why I'm not overly concerned. However, it's um, it's just quite ironic I think that we've 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 taken almost a bit of a doing, if you like, in terms of the the goals. Um, Off a of, of a team who play Ange ball, so uh, and, and Kevin Muscat was maybe putting himself in the shop window as well because he's possibly going to be looking for for his moving into in Europe uh, as a manager.
0: Yeah, so probably for him individually, he's probably kicking himself a wee bit that um, he did play for Rangers because he'd have got he'd have probably walked right over to our job, you know. Um, if Rodgers was any way difficult with negotiations, it felt like you know, let's say that continuation thing it worked for Yokohama would it have worked for us but yeah it definitely maybe helps him establish oh that Muscat is doing similar to Ange you know for maybe a team in you know Europe somewhere else or more end of England or whatever so I, I think the Yokohama motivation of this game is definitely undersold from the Celtic fan base at this point because yeah. even the guys that came on in the second half like they were um, like Yokohama also kind of rotated as well so as we brought on our second string so did they sort of and those are the kind of younger up and coming guys so um, I, I forget how you pronounce his name exactly, but the, the young lad begins with M, Mayashi or something like yoshio Um He got two goals off the bench. So, you know, like there's a lot of, you know, th- there was a lot to play for on their end as far as a friendly goes. You know, every one of those players are looking at transfers, are looking at securing their own place in the first team or whatever. But when it comes to the boys in green, I think everyone was looking at goals conceded. I think when I've been trying my best to keep a- across all the feedback and all the reactions from the game, it's all been about. The blunder from Hart, the error from Taylor, the error from Starfield—you know—all these things that have compounded on, you know, four of the six goals that were conceded. How did you see the the defensive output from from the goals that went in?
1: I would say that, that that's probably the main the main thing to take away from the game. To be honest, is the the kind of the defensive reinforcements or lack of them. I, th- I think we all know that you know that, that, that there's there's slight issues at the back there. Uh, Johnston's obviously out. Falson's now out. Um, and we, we, can't, have Vickers not available um, until probably I don't know if he'll get a run out in the next the next couple of games. Certainly, hoping maybe even towards the, the end of the at James's um, testimonial, maybe get some some minutes in his legs. That I think I think the kind of fragilities that we've seen in the last couple of seasons, to be honest, could could be a worry. Um, so I know we've been talking a lot about uh, the, the incomings of. Of uh, wingers and forwards and, and midfielders, but for me that 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 is probably the area that needs to uh, addressed is is centre half, right back in the interim, um and possibly left back. So it is a bit concerning that that we have conceded those goals. Um, and Joe Hart, yep yeah, he's, he's he's got that in his locker. I think we know that. And and again, that's probably an area that we're, we're thinking um needs to be looked at in the medium to long term
0: yeah that 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 calamity for for his goal where it just feels like something on the training ground you know it doesn't feel like something that should happen in a real football match you know it's like they're mucking about with the ball at the end of the session kind of thing and he's just maybe he's done in from from you know that that was the kind of vibe of it all it's not befitting a football match that kind of no. um uh, that, that kind of attempt to, to claim the ball as it was there was a comment
1: I, by brendan i think he, he sort of mentioned that the whole Know, the, the defence should have done better before it got to Joe, so there's like a bit of a defence of Joe Hart, notwithstanding that he probably isn't happy at the mistake, but that comment, um, that's a kind of a, a Brendan comment, I think, to make, where he's sort of having that little that little dig, if you like, you know, that there's there's he's hopefully recognised that there's a few issues at the back if we're, if we're not at full strength, um, which we're certainly not, and we may not be getting into the first game against Ross County, so, yeah, um, I'm kind of hoping that that's an area that they're actually all actively looking at strengthening.
0: Yeah. Cause so I think like a few Celtic fans or there's like a section of Celtic support, and I would definitely carry myself among them that that feel that this whole, like we're undefeated domestically when Vickers and Starfield played together is a bit of a, you know, eh, how accurate of that statistic is that really? You know, because like we've seen, like, like you've mentioned, no Johnson, no Carter Vickers, the best half of the defence is missing, clearly, you know. And then, so the other half isn't good enough to carry what else is there, and it really showed up in a big way. And you know, Starfield did look—he did look strong um in periods. At the back end of the season when Carter Vickers wasn't available, you know, having Kobayashi next to him, having Awata next to him, he was—you know—he looked quite capable in that Carter Vickers right side of defence, you know, but. Um by all accounts yesterday, like it, it was just it was not on, you know, sort of thing. So I don't know if that's maybe a difference in the kind of tactical setup of defense of what has been asked of him, because Starfelt is like had his worst moments in a Celtic shirt when he's asked to dwell on the ball, or when he is dwelling on the ball, you know, or when there's a decision to make. There's multiple choice available, you know, you could play here, play there, do this or do that. You've got three seconds, two, one, the ball's gone, you know. Like, um, so Maybe it's a wee bit of change of instructions, change of role, perhaps. Maybe he's caught himself out a little bit because physically and like at that kind of level that we play at, he's more than capable of a defender, you know, to actually like defend one on one, boss a man, win a ball in the air, do all that kind of stuff. But it's the tactical kind of like fitting into the shape and the team and then being under pressure because, like you say, they're playing the old ange ball. And if you look at their front line, a lot of their guys, Anderson Lopez, and uh, there's another Brazilian forget, Marcos Jr. Now, these guys are like mid to late 20s, been playing Angeball for about three or four years, you know, if not longer, under a few managers at this point. And they will just attack weakness. And that's the kind of level of attacker that we are going to face. Hmm. At the, like for three teams in the league, maybe four, a real push. But every team we're going to play in Europe. So we need to have guys that can withstand that one-on-one, those guys that will smell your weakness and prey on it um because that's that de- you know the, the with the amount of mistakes we did, there was definitely like you know it wasn't an accident <laughs> from Yokohama's perspective you know
1: no, definitely not definitely not i think you're right um you know starfield starfield not no, was it originally a, 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 a dubious you know he was dubious for me i wasn't really sure um he was going to cut it but he, he pretty quickly won everybody over you put a ball into the box, you head it away. You know we've seen that numerous times, and when the back's been against the wall, at Ibrox and you know he's absolutely brilliant at that. But as you say, I think when you ask him to do something um, that, he's, that he's uncomfortable with, it it puts the whole defence um, kind of on the back on the back foot. So, listen about the, the big man should hopefully be back, and then if the two of them are starting together and Taylor's there, um, then it's maybe just that right back area. It's maybe also worth thinking about what was in front of them. Again, if Rogers is looking at that slight change in formation um, than then what the guys have been used to playing the last two years, then maybe just that communication between the defence and, and the the, kind of, the number six areas is perhaps uh, an issue as well. And that, that's something that we'll be hopefully working on in training. But um, I'm a little bit concerned that, that you know who's who's going to come in um, if there's an injury or a suspension. I, I don't think Welsh and Kobayashi are going kind of cut it and I think we'll be coming down to, talking about some of maybe their goings and whatnot, but um, I just hope that's the area that they are looking at quite quite closely now.
0: Yeah. In terms of tactically, like I think we're all expected if we could keep a Abada, he would probably be a very good Brendan Rodgers winger, you know, very direct, goes straight to goal, and Rodgers has got the the pedigree, he's got the track record of bringing guys like that up a level, you know, from Liverpool, yeah. Swansea, Leicester, obviously Celtic previously as well, um, and he really did grab some headlines with his efforts, you know, the link up between him and Dyson, for a couple of the goals, as well as the, some of the play we got from Hitate. And it felt like from Hitate, Dyson, um, etc., like, you know, it's a bit of a homecoming for these guys as well, you know, so they want to go back wearing the hoops, being at the big European team, coming to your town and, like, showing their stuff. And it felt like Rio did really grab the headlines. But from that kind of progression from the old, the old manager and the old system into the new one, I think everyone was the most impressed about Abada. Aye. I
1: think, and again, we've talked about... Uh, the, 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 the Japanese-based players put themselves in the shop window. Maybe that was as bad as, a bad as um, role in the, in the game as well. Um, we a few rumblings about him. And, and Rio, I mean, you've seen him for, for, for the goal—the way, the way he kind of took the ball, that, that one pass through—and and that's, that's the kind of Rio that I think we all, we all want to see. We know he's capable of doing it. That. that um, getting the ball, starting things off um, at the other end of the pitch. He was he was phenomenal. He looks in really good shape as well, I think most as well. He looked as if he was a bit leaner. So um, again, I'm, I'm hoping he's not putting himself in the shot window and it is more about just wanting to show what he can do back in his homeland, um, but in a bad as well. That's what he's capable of doing. I think we all know what, what he is capable of doing. We just want to see it in a consistent basis, but is it going to be for us? That's the question.
0: Well, I've got a question, right? Um you know, Souths are here, we're invited to the press conference for when Brendan Rodgers was unveiled. Um, and you know, all the press conferences he's had ever since. Sorry, that's not relevant. I'm gonna stop that again. <clears throat> it's a different thing altogether. Um well, I've got a question for you, right? When uh, Dyson Maeda had his contract extension, the Brendan Rodgers like press conference, his little interview around it. He referenced the fact of his of his versatility and about how usefully he's seen him play through the middle, particularly for Japan, the World Cup. And I was getting messages all the way through this game about maybe Dyson's going to play through the middle a bit more for us, you know, because that seemed to be, you know, the sort of positions he was taking up on the pitch. And again, with Ibada, um and Rio Nizar guys, like he seemed to really, you know, um, you know, he was getting in amongst the goals and stuff like that. Dyson made was very much getting in amongst it. So... It is going to be interesting to see, particularly the front three, the attacking. I know we're worried about the defence, but the, the the we're worried about the defence because we know we're going to score some goals because from the looks of things with Habada and maybe some sort of evolution with Dyson Maeda, all those guys kind of maybe uh, tying in better with Kyogo to form a really, like, that's our best front three. That's the front three for the best games, the big games. They get that cohesion, that synergy. Um so we want them to score as many goals as possible. And there is, like, scoring... Because even six is obviously, like, rotten, right? But uh, scoring four in, you know, in a game that is, like... You know, we're not... Bat- it's not a, a team that we're battering, you know. It's not a 4-0 victory. It's it's a team that are very capable, you know. So to still go and get four goals is is a nice um, silver lining on the result, let's say, isn't it? Aye. I
1: mean, um, i have got a, a bad that he's in the wing and Maeda doing his thing, so that was, uh, it was certainly i think the surprise of the of the game was was not seeing him go through the middle but, but banging in three goals and when you've seen the goals they were they were, they were what i would say as my goals instinctive one touch finish i think it's an interesting option um i think if he's given um good delivery he will he will score we've seen him score quite a, quite a few goals he's, he's done really well with goal scoring um this could be a little a little um, change in, in position for him that he, he plays there for Japan. We saw it at the World Cup it was it was a more pressing role than actually being a focal point of a forward. He, he done a lot of the, the, the high press for for Japan in, in, in the World Cup and done it really well. Um, so I, it was it was good to see him. I think if you give him service in in that area, he'll score goals. And maybe that's Brendan is trying that, and potentially he's going to be the the number two or number three striker, which I think for a lot of fans we would be worried about that because he's not that, that Champions League quality. But if you look in the league, you know, the guy the guy can score goals. So if we're getting wingers who are creating chances, I think he puts them away. Um he might have the odd one that he hits ten yards over the bar and misses his feet, but chances are he's going to put a few away so that was was interesting to see and it opens up another debate as to whether or not we'll we'll dip in for a a forward or not maybe this is now Brendan trying that to see if he can actually play that role if Kyogo and O are not not, um, fit or if it's for those games after Champions League games.
0: Yeah. So it does feel like, like you said, there are all those instinctive finishes. He's finding himself in the right place at the right time with the, you know, the transition of, of, of the play, you know, however it's went for each of the goals. And similarly to what I was saying with Yokohama, but like, if you've got Diza Maeda in that kind of Fettle in that role, Abada and Kyogo, well, that's a front three that should be hunting teams, you know, down and like, you know, who's the weak length, right? It's the centre-back, let's go bully him, you know. Oh, it's the left-back, he hates the ball, let's go get him, you know, and, and go and make some chances. So... Really excited to see the four goals conceded. Next up is um, Gamba Osaka, which Gamba Osaka is one of the bigger teams in Japan traditionally, but for the last like four seasons they have been stinking. Like they've been a bottom half team for the most part, um and I think this season is probably their better one of their better seasons of the last three or four, truth be told, as well. Not getting any preemptive excuses in there, but they have been overall. <laughs> they have been overall pretty rotten for the last few years, but they are on a wee bit of an up at the moment, but. Can you know you know the next kind of question becomes about this pre-season is like, you know, the results, the performances, how much do we read into them, what can be read into them? Because they are a glorified training exercise. You know, it's almost um, you know, we heard Brendan said the Celtic brand, you know, it's a bit of a marketing expedition and they're also getting some pre-season work done while they're there. In essence, it's kind of how it's all built. So in terms uh, I'm really interested, I think what we can take out of it is for the manager, he's a hundred percent trying to get the the plan for the season in action. You know what are we doing from open play? How are we coming out from the goalkeeper? What's the route to go? How do we play from a corner? What do we look at for? You know, so I think all those kind of things we'll we'll get answers for in the Yokohama game and in the Gamba game. But in terms of like Taylor Starfield, maybe Joe Hart to one side because the goalkeeper thing seems to be an issue we keep talking about forever. But. The defensive issues, I would hope some of them are just, you know, they get cut out of pre-season and we don't see them, hopefully, in Gamba or we don't see them in Osaka, I beg your pardon. We don't see them in the other matches and hopefully it's a bit of a a blip in that sense. Um, And then their actual results, you know, more goals the better for the strikers and let's hopefully try and keep the the aggregate down. In terms of what we can take out of the results or the performances, Matthew, you know, like how do you look at these pre-season games? I I, I try not to get
1: into the whole... um debates about how, how important these really are and, and really I know people who are tactically minded will start to look at where players are, are getting positioned and double pivots and, and all that stuff. But for me, I think the hard work I think the hard work will be getting done on the training ground. And I think that's where Brendan will be looking at the players more closely to, to use this period as to decide who does he feel can do a job for him and who does he think is not up to the, the task really. The games themselves, he will probably use it for a little bit of experimenting, certainly those first couple of games, I think, over in Japan. Bear in mind, as you say, they're in the middle of a season. There's, a, It's probably quite hot over there. Um, he doesn't want to risk any injuries. So I think these games will probably be about just trying little things here and there. Um, and possibly when we, we come back over and we play Wolves in, in Dublin, and we've got Forest testimonial, which which is a different one. But you could maybe actually use those two games uh, in front of a, a Celtic crowd to maybe show us right here's here's my plans, here's the the, the first kind of 15, 16 players that I'm going to be starting the season with that I trust, and a and a system that I'm looking to play to, to allow the fans to see that. So I, I tend not to take too much out of it. Certainly, the defensive issues I think we knew were there. And we've seen that yesterday that if we've got a couple of key players out yeah that's an area that we need to strengthen but um i try and take the positives out of it look at look at the performance of maida and hitati and abada um i definitely think we should try and take the positives out of it because these games can give a couple of players out a wee bit of a boost for going into the season um I, I try not to get into the whole we've been playing these pre-season friendlies for years and there's been some freak results we, we, we went toe-to-toe with real madrid in, in the past and in pre season and, and that probably after that didn't didn't uh, work out too well for us. So um take the positives out of it. Try and take the positives out of it and then as I say I think the real hard work will be getting done on the training pitch and the behind the scenes stuff.
0: Yeah. I think one thing that definitely seems to have materialised off the back of this um preseason adventure we're on so far is that Brendan's told people he's spoken. He's told us he's spoken to some players and he said that they're not going to be part of the squad uh, for this coming season. And based on some of the appearances we got in the Yokohama game, the Celtic support have made their um, feelings known on some of the, let's say, the tertiary players in the squad. You know, the I think Uragidi. I don't think, uh, Uragidi Ajete, and somebody else, Sorrow, I think they've definitely, I think they are all clearly been told already, like, go and get yourself some, something else to do. Um, But other than that, you know, Welsh, Scales, Turnbull, Haksabanovic. who could we be thinking about here? Who would be in that conversation? Who is proper surplus where the manager would be now saying, how are you, like, maybe you're not for the group? I think for
1: being, uh, the names you mentioned there at the start, Sorrow, a <laughs> Uruguay sure Shaw. Um, I mean, it's mad to think that a few of them are actually still still contracted to the club. We, we, we let Barkas go, we cut his contract. I just wonder, if because the, the, we've not got these Champions League qualifiers, there's maybe a little bit more time for the club to, 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 to even for the outgoings and the incomings. Um, but the, these, guy, these guys won't be at the club come the end of August for the transfer window. One way or the other, Ajeti, Soro, um, I, I'm going to probably throw... Welsh, into that and possibly Kobayashi. I just think that if we are going to be really trying to resolve the defensive not issues, but that, that Carter Vickers and Starfield are our number one and two centre-halves. After that, I'm concerned. So I think in order to, to create that space for somebody to come in, players need to go. Welsh, for his own benefit, we've seen it with, with some players in the past, the kind of Scottish players, that it, it's, it's Best for them to move on and, and try and flourish elsewhere. We've seen it with like um, Liam Henderson and, and these kind of guys that they kind of go away and, and can actually flourish in another country as well as actually um, maybe in Scotland or England. Um, Mikey Johnson, uh, yeah. Mikey, uh, I know people say you know Brendan gave him his, his, his time and saw a player there. I, I, I don't see it. To be honest, I think again for his own benefit, he needs to move on. Um, and then you start to go into the other, uh, the players who are on the, not just on the periphery, but their they're first team players, and I think Banovic and Turnbull are, are very interesting one, especially Turnbull with only a year left in his contract.
0: Yeah, I think Turnbull is one of these ones where I could see him being good under Brendan, but with it being a year left on his contract, it is a, a dicey position, you know, because it is a full extension and then maybe it doesn't work out or, you know, whatever, or... What's the market value on him, you know, in terms of this summer or in January? Because like, then after that, it's, it's zero, you know, sort of thing. So, yeah. especially with Turnbull, it's been a bit of a weird, from even when we signed him, but didn't sign him. And then we did sign him. And then we've played him and then not played him. And <laughs> we're selling him and we're not selling him. Mm-hmm. I feel bad for the guy, you know, because he's clearly like a great footballer, like at what he, you know, that attacking midfield, shoot on site, creative kind of guy. Um, So, I would love for him personally, I'd love just that all that to get ironed out. In the kind of aftermath, but of some of this you've referenced it already. But um, Leal Abada has been linked to Fenerbahce. They've just sold their prize asset Arda Guller, to Real Madrid for a bucket ton of money. They've went and signed Edin Dzeko and Dušan Tadić, who are both quite old but still pretty good footballers. And they've set their sights apparently on We Abada to be the you know the Wonder Kid replacement, if you like. I don't see it personally. I think if you are going to play for us in the Champions League, or I don't even know if Fernabachi are Champions League next year. I suppose they must be. Um, but why would you leave Celtic to play Fernabachi? I don't think there's the step there where it's even going to be on Abada's thoughts or radar, you know? When you hear Abada talk himself, he's very much like, I'm still developing and my place is Celtic now, you know, kind of thing. So I don't read anything into it. I don't think Abada's going to go anywhere after seeing him start and be as effective under Rogers in the last match. I think towards the tail end of the last
1: season, I know I had a, a injury, but there was a lot of talk that p- perhaps, you know, I think Ajax were, were floating about and it was yep. mentioned, which I, you can kind of understand the lure of, of Ajax, certainly. Um, I, th- I would love them to stay now. I was, at the tail end of the season, I was kind of thinking, look, we thought we had Ange, we thought we well, were going to be really pushing on again, and and as we've seen with Juranovic and and, and, and Marcus, if, if somebody's heads turned and they're, they're not want to be there, Ange would have just said, right, off, off you go, get his max, maximum profit, we can let him go. So I was kind of on that, that side of saying, look, we'll, we'll bring somebody in, no problem to replace him, and I know his he's, he's goals assist numbers are, are crazy since he's come in, but now I'm more thinking that under Brendan, as you see. I think he could really flourish, I think he could take him to another level. Um, I think Fenerbahce have made a couple of odd signings Ryan, Ryan Kent obviously been one of them with Tadic and in the, in, in the 10 and, and, and Zeko up front is a kind of odd looking for um, <laughs> I think his head could be turned with Fenerbahce I think Turkey seems to be this place that a lot of, a lot of players you know those in, that have an unstable league and you know it's a bit mental let's face it um there is, a, there is a lure there, so, so I've got a slight concern that, that, that you know, the fact that it's came out through a kind of decent source, Stephen McGowan, I think you kind of think there's something there. Is his agent starting to put some stuff out there? Is it now a case of saying, well, Kyogo and Maeda have been given bumper contracts. My client would quite like a, a new contract if he's going to be part of that front three. I think it's one to keep an eye on, to be honest. I really want him to stay, I actually think that we could push on to another level and then listen, if, if he flourishes in the Champions League, as you say, then aye, let, let him get his move next year for Jota numbers and, and, and we wish him well. But um, I think it's niggling there in the back of my mind, he meets the profile for a lot of these clubs, young and ambitious, and um aye, I think it's one to keep an eye on.
0: It looks to be Galatasaray, the only Turkish team in the Champions League at the moment. Um, when I look at last season, it says that finishing second gets you Europa Conference League. So I know that can't be right. I think there must be Europa League or maybe Champions League qualifiers. But all the same, I think if you're Leila Albada, you think, I'm going to be the main man under this guy and we're going to be playing group stage Champions League, then, you know, if you even if you were to go to, a, let's imagine Fernabachi even did get into the group stages. You know, he's going over there fresh. He's going to need a bed in. He's going to need to fight for his place in the team obviously if kent's his competition that's not really gonna be much of an issue right but all the same it's still something to be done whereas he's settled in here and if he's getting plugged in as a main man with a brilliant bloody team that we've got there now like um i, I find it would need to be mad money turkey then they are kind of taking this little spot in the transfer window where they're kind of saving some people from turkey if you know what i mean like uh um, <laughs> not from turkey pardon me saudi arabia you know where if they're not quite like Oh, we'll go to Saudi Arabia for the money. Oh, well, maybe I'll go to Turkey for a wee bit less, you know, and stay in yeah. Europe and play Europa League or Champions League or whatever's going on. So it's definitely getting a wee bit more interest this summer of the Turkish uh, League in terms of income and transfers from some of those players we've already kind of mentioned. So, but I think for Abada, maybe the Ardaguna Real Madrid pathway is something that might be pitched to him, you know, like, but I don't see it being any different going from Fernabache to somebody than it would be from Celtic if he's going to play Champions League and kick ass, you know, so I I personally don't hold too much. That may be agent work, like you referenced, you know, so it could be there. In terms of like, you know, I kind of mentioned as well, and I thought, oh, this would be a nice wee link for something earlier and later, but we're going to see it against Gamba. We've seen it against Yokohama. They've got some like Brazilian players in their front line who are saying like 24, 25, 28, that kind of age range we were linked to one of our one, one of ourselves you know who went by the name of ferreira at gremio um it's now kind of been debunked that that was like uh, an actual link i think it was a lot more tenuous than people originally thought um but for a minute we're still linked to another brazilian winger than tete but you know we're we're getting we're maybe getting our hopes up with some more exotic signings part of the thing i'm seeing kind of knocking around with some of the transfer interest is like the the other guy who's been debunked the egyptian guy reda now Brendan Rodgers has said in his press conference he's never heard of these guys. And then even, like, there's been one or two other ones. I forget. the They escape me at the moment. But, you know, it feels like all the names we're getting linked with are stereotypical, you know, conference league, Europa League-level targets. And we know we've got this big war chest. So a lot of the speculation now, I, I think it's people shooting in the dark. I'm not really reading too much into this because I don't think with the amount of money we've got flushing around it, these are the next targets that would be signed. Maybe there's somebody for a rainy day or a crisis or target number four on the list or something. But I don't think half these guys are who were um, vigorously pursuing.
1: I think I think you're right. It's silly season during the pre-season, but the transfer rumours we know that. And I think the fact that Brendan shot them down quite quickly tells you that there's nothing in it. Teddy one is interesting. He, he's got a, actually a decent pedigree. Um, you know, he, he spent spent time at Shakhtar and left there for obvious reasons. Um, and, and I think Brendan, you know, used him quite a bit in, in, for Leicester, given that they were particularly great. It's maybe not a, a glowing reference, but um, that is an interesting one where if he's a freebie or if it's, I think he's only got six months left and his Shakhtar contract left. It might not be that we're, we're, we're looking to spend a lot of money like the likes of him, but you're also kind of thinking, well, if Brendan trusted him and had him there, he's, he's an option in the background that if a badder does go, I need somebody to, that I can come in quite quickly and adapt to the way I play. But certainly you're right with the guys that we're, we're getting linked to. It's, it, it's going to happen. Um, it happens all the time during pre-season. I, I'm only kind of, again, just thinking about this, you know, the war chest and the big budgets and that we have at our disposal, Is is it, it, as we've seen with a lot of clubs, Certainly, a higher level finance than us. Is it can be a, a, a bit of a curse rather than a blessing because all of a sudden now the players that we were looking at who were five, six million pound, which is usually our kind of top, you know, top level for for spending on players like Jota and Carter Vickers. These players might now be worth nine, ten million, and the clubs are saying, "Well, you've just been given twenty-five million pound by a Saudi Arabian club. You want our winger to replace Jota? Well, he's now twelve million pounds." And I think we are in a bit of an awkward position where I personally don't know if Celtic will still pay that money for a player. Um, they might do it for one, but we're certainly not going to do it for two or three. So I definitely think that the, the, the pond that we're fishing in is, is is a slightly different one from 18 months ago when we were, were picking up Abada and Hitati and O'Reilly. I hope that the guys that they're bringing in and they're looking at are going to make the same impact as them, you know, the, the guys from Korea and that would be great if they can come in and hit the ground running. But realistically, for Champions League level, we need to sign a couple of players um, who are going to be able to come in and, and, and fit in quite quickly. And that that kind of money that we're talking about, that we have and able to spend, I don't think it's as easy to spend as people think. Because I think the clubs then that are concerned, these players have got another couple of then added on, and then they're actually being pursued by your Ajax um, you're, look at the goalkeeping situation you know, the, the, the fellow Burnley are, are just about to spend about I think 15-20 million pound on a young English goalkeeper obviously there's the English tax on that but if we are, were scouting that guy at Bolton Wanderers as a potential replacement, say for heart, and meets the profile of a young up-and-coming young goalkeeper all of a sudden Burnley come in, you know we've no chance, and we're a bigger club than some of these teams, but I think we need to be careful not to expect too much um, and, and not to be too disappointed if we don't go and buy a play for £10 million because it's a really awkward, awkward time um, for, for those kind of transfers. But listen, we don't know what's going on in the background. We know Celtic do their, their business very quietly, and I'm sure they're working away hard in the background, which the fans don't maybe always know or appreciate. Um, we have to just try and trust the process and not get too frustrated with it.
0: Yeah, and I think right in writing the media aftermath, we've had some credible reports come from Stephen McGowan that uh, Xavier Mbayamba, M- M- sorry, I'm not quite good with names, but this is a different... Mbayamba. M- Bay- M- <laughs> M- <laughs> Mbayamba. <laughs> a former La Masia graduate. He's currently playing playing at Volendam in the Eredivisie. Volendam, very low-ranking team. Um, but he's been very busy. His statistics this year have been very good, and he passes the eye test, if you watch him as well. Very classy defender. He's been heavily linked to Ajax also, just uh, by coincidence, but I think this is the sort of guy obviously we've trodden this road with Van Dyke and um, and maybe one or two others over the years, so I think Rogers uh, if he uh, agrees with the transfer department that this guy is, because he's been previously linked and previously ID'd pre-Brendan Rogers, then maybe he's seen something in the, in the defence at Yokohama and he thinks, right, let's just go get this guy in and make it happen, because these are quite credible reports by all accounts.
1: Uh, it will tick a lot of boxes. I think anyone, if you go to the Dutch, the Dutch League and they're young, they'll, they'll tick a lot of boxes for how you want to play, how you want to play out from the back, how you want somebody who's calm and steady, but also physical when needed. So he does, again, he ticks all the boxes for our, our policy. Young, um, no doubt up and coming, probably being scouted by other clubs, and, and of course Ajax or the big club over there that, like us, will get linked to the best talent who are in Holland. Um, the same here in Scotland, and that that's probably one that I think's got a bit of gravitas to it. And, and it would, it, uh, we look at Jens, and it was a kind of similar profile and type of player, um you know. And maybe maybe in another day he would have still been here, but um, I think I think that's one to probably look at. I think you know again when we compare the players who have come in to in the last two years to who we have there, I would probably say right well, if he's a, a step above Welsh. But he's not quite a cat of vickers levels then it, it makes sense to probably bring somebody
0: like him in yeah that for sure because um like with this talent id stuff it is all about getting you're know, the right guy in you know as quickly as possible you know and it, where they fit into the squad it's going to be down to the manager um but the the, 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 <coughs> the defense 100% needs re- reinforced and one of the main complaints about starfield like we've mentioned already is they kind of uh, like being on the ball and all that kind of stuff you know or having to make a decision over a couple of seconds and these types of guys particularly coming out on la masia and you know just general dutch grassroots football like ball play and all that kind of stuff is is you're ingrained into them I'm not saying it's not in sweden and every other country in the world but they're pretty famous for it in holland you know people are pretty good at playing football you know and um, particularly if you're getting scouted when he was even younger and getting brought to barca you know to to, to learn over there so yeah i love the pedigree I love the prospects of it and um, i would be a bit more hopeful we should be breaking our transfer record this summer ideally like obviously we've broke it without going of, of jota it's, i think it um outdoes the kearney uh, the tierney sale um, and I think Edward is still our record purchase, and I don't think that really beats the Chris Sutton purchase by much. Um, you know, which over the last twenty-three years, you know, is quite meager, really, to be honest with you, when it comes to transfer fees and the amount of them in that in that uh, band. If you like, so I'm quite hopeful um, that we will. But again, like I mentioned earlier, I've, I've got no idea who we would actually spend that money on. And like you say, it's hard spending that money because a guy who you think, oh, maybe we could get this guy for ten mil. As soon as his agent gets a phone call from Celtic, he probably just texts twelve other clubs. Just received offer from Celtic, and then it goes up to twelve, and then it's a bit of a war, depending on uh, everyone's appetite to get the deal done. Uh, so, yeah, let's see how it goes. I'm, I'm definitely up for temper my expectations on his spending the whole budget. You know, I think we should be, but you know, let's see how it all pans out. Because, like Brendan said at the press conference, like it's all about the right players, and sometimes it's about his words to me. Where when I asked him about the transfer business was. Right at the end, he said, um, sometimes the most important thing is who you keep out the club, like who you don't sign. And they kind of have remarks he made about the Ferreira and the Reda uh, guy. Those comments, they kind of rang true with me again, um, back to there. But we did think goalkeeper was really top of the agenda for this summer transfer window. We then heard from Joe Hart. We then heard a bit from Brendan Rogers and we thought, oh, maybe there's maybe a wee bit of a bromance going on here. Maybe Brendan Rodgers can get like a last dance season out of uh, Joe Hart, you know, where he can really, you know, leave his Celtic career. He's had a great Celtic career to this point. It's probably not been totally covered in glory. It's definitely covered in medals. Um then I thought Brendan would be the guy to maybe help him do that. But with the calamity there. Celtic fans again, myself included, are maybe like, oh, do we want to run into the group stages of the Champions Leagues with us and goals still? Like, so like the goalkeeper thing, man. Like, I, I made a little post yesterday. Um, I put it around uh, some social media places if anyone caught it. But at the moment, see if you look across like Europe, the goalkeeper transfer market at the moment is in a really funny place. There's a few big teams moving some big goalkeepers around, right? But there's lots of up-and-coming goalkeepers that are dying for have been getting and dying to continue getting first team minutes and moving up a level. And a lot of them, um, like there's a guy in Japan, for example, who you've maybe heard Suzuki is going to go to Man United and be Mm -hmm. the backup uh, Onana, who they're spending buckets of money on. We're seeing all the Japan youth teams, Zion Suzuki is normally number two. Sometimes they change, sometimes Zion plays. But the other guy that plays most of the time, is called he, He's owned by Gamba Osaka. funnily enough. His name's Kositani. And he's on the brink of moving to Belgium Division 2 on loan. They just get a loan into Europe to get some minutes and all the rest of it. And this guy, like to give you a bit of a, a flavour, there's about three or four other guys I could give you the same story about, right? But just to give you this, guys, he's been playing first-team football for two years in Japan on loan at a smaller team in the league. And then this year, he's been at Gamba. And they've got another goalkeeper who we'll see play Celtic. His name is Gucci And he's like 40 or something like that, right? He's really old. He's like a club legend. You know, it's like if Paki Bonner played for us all the way, you know, it's one of those ones, you know. Um, and anyway, he's been at Gamba this season and he's had a wee bit of job share at Gamba with Gucci But and he's also been getting called into the Japan senior team. And when I've seen that happening, I'm thinking this is to help his work permit application to get to Europe, obviously, because he wasn't getting capped. He was just getting the call up, you know. Um, but i don't know why but it doesn't seem like anyone in europe has actually picked up the phone and he's ended up like the only thing he can sort himself out with with his be agent in japan or whatever's going on is this but a guy like him could come in and play in tandem with joe hart play his understudy to him for a season you know and you know like who knows if that would really pay out champions league wise group stage this season like i'm initially worried about but that's a plan, and that's a you know, that's you can see something happening there. It's a young, young and up and coming international. He's good with the ball at his feet, he's a good shot stopper. He's still got progression to do. Like I said, there's about four or five other guys in the market. There's a guy in the market that now, very similar everything to what I just said there, but he's a free agent out of Barcelona. He's just been at the Spain under 21 euros final. He wants to play first team football, doesn't want to be on the bench. He's out of contract now and nobody's linked to him i don't see anything but i go searching you know and that's a free agent you know so a cheap guy out of japan loan with option to buy we love a deal like that or a free agent out of barca or a big academy in europe we love a deal like that you uh, know so there, there's plenty of stuff out there if we, if we go looking for it but i'm worried that we don't go looking for it <laughs> I, Joe, joe's it he
1: has a bit of an enigma let's let's face it i think um yeah, I think he has been really good for us. I think not just on the pitch, but off the pitch. I think he's, he's got standards and I think he match, he speaks so well about, about Andy and he speaks so well about his, his time at the club and, and he's bought into the ethos at the club. And, and all that's great, but he is, he is prone to the odd, the odd clanger. And I think I, I, I see him probably starting as, as number one. I, I don't really see that changing unless there is something in the background that, that, that they are working on. Um, But I, I think we need to bring somebody in who's at least going to be in and around the squad, getting games with a, a nod to thinking next season and after that. Somebody who is in that early, early to mid-20s, um, who, again, a goalkeeper can be the same as a midfielder or a striker. They could be looking at Celtic and saying, if I go here and impress for a couple of years, I could, I could get a move down south to be the number one for Spurs or whoever it may be. Um, so I think we probably need to be, to be wiser in that market. Um, Sigrist, I know he got he got the second half yesterday. He's not going to cut it. Um, Rogers obviously w- was a was a fan of being He brought brought him brought him into the club, and, and we've obviously given him a, a new contract, which I think is to, to tick a, a box for the homegrown players. So he's going to be floating about. Certainly, as a, as a third choice, that middle part, then that second choice of somebody pushing Joe Hart and learning off of Joe Hart to then become Celtic's number one long term um, is definitely an area that, that needs addressed potentially in the summer, but certainly certainly by this time next year, I would really hope that we've got somebody in place who is of the Fraser Forster mould, where they're, they're, they're at a good age and they've got a good profile and um, they're able to really, um, you know, take the gloves for, for two three seasons um, and have a bit of stability in there. Um, but I think, I think Joe will probably be the number one going into these games, which is a bit of a worry, but if he produces what we know he can, then he's a fantastic shot stopper and he, he,
0: he can be a matchwinner at times, um, so it's an interesting position. Yeah, it is. It's, it's all the can be's and could be's and should be's, and hopefully, you know, that's the that's the part I think that keeps us all on tenderhooks. But no man, I agree. I'm see, I'm a big Joe Hart fan uh, overall, but it, you know, when you know he's at the end of his career, I and mean, when you see these mistakes, like you know, it's one of those ones where it has to be on the agenda. You know, he's he's not going to play longer than another two, three, four seasons. You know, no no chance. You know, so. It's something that isn't going away. And for me, it just feels like there's a lot of talent on the market. And once they move, they've moved, you know, then it's totally different. You know, the the ship has sailed, you know, the the horse has bolted, um, as I say on that one. Uh, So I think it's one that hopefully the club, you know, because again, like the the goalkeeper is such a vital position in the sense of like, like we've seen with with Barcast, you know, if you have not got a goalkeeper position sorted, it's worse than a hole in the head, you know. And Hart is, Hart's good for us. I, I like Hart overall. Like, but he's not perfect. He's not the best we could get. Is basically where I always kind of fall down on it, for all the boxes to get ticked, you know, as much as possible. So, I just
1: wonder, my yeah. interesting point for me is: is how, how, how are we going to see him uh, grabbing the ball from the ball boys? It's as, as quite as he that under Ange, he's <laughs> going to be terrorising ball boys around the around the country to get the, the ball into play. That could that could be a tell and sign sense to how Brendan wants to play when, when it starts from the back. Is is he going to be a little bit calmer when, when you know sometimes when he was he was far too keen to get the game going again? Um so it'll be interesting to see how that starts.
0: Yeah. I think probably one of the other last things to kind of talk on that's kind of came up with like the Japan stuff and the squad and all the rest of it is uh, oh, we were talking about Maeda playing through the middle yesterday, obviously Kyogo's the main man. Um and Big Oba, he's been you know quite active throughout preseason on social media and all that. And a lot of people expect to see a really good version of O under Brendan Rodgers. But, you you know, like, that the guy we're linked to, who we're not linked to anymore, part of his versatility was a striker option. I don't think we need another striker option at the club but as long as we've got the guys we've got, really. But, you know, what is the expectations for O this year? Is he going to just carry on being super sub? Or, you know, like, will we see him, like, maybe even... I know not Ross County specifically this time because it's the opening game of the season, but, like... Will he maybe be the guy that just fills in at Ross County at home and St. Johnson away in the cup and mm-hmm. these kind of games?
1: I mean, Brendan is partial to a, to a two up top um, when it's required. Um, I heard rumblings, obviously, with my idea yesterday, showing so I hat-trick but him and Kyogo could terrorise a few defences. I, I personally don't think that that would work. I think they would maybe get in each other's way a wee bit. Um, so I, I think there's definitely an option for, for Roe to be... Alongside Kyogo, if Brendan decides in certain games that that's the way he would maybe go, um, I think it could be uh, it could be a, a season of of kind of mixed fortunes for him. If he gets his chances and doesn't take them, then perhaps it, it's 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 going to go against him for the future. If he gets his chances like he did most of the time last season, let's be fair, um, then then it bodes well for him and it'll. Build his confidence, and he'll start to really push pushing the door. Um, I don't think we will sign another striker. We'll maybe sign somebody who can play in that that area, but the first half of the season might be quite telling if we are still in Europe after Christmas, and we're relying on Kyogo because perhaps O hasn't pushed on or Maeda isn't getting used up there. Then it might it might be an area to start looking at um, because Kyogo, you know. Touchwood, you know, could pick up the odd injury. We hope that doesn't happen. Would I be really, really happy that O's then stepping in in a Champions League situation or a, a last sixteen or Europa Europa League run? I don't know at this stage. Um, but he looks, he looks good. He looks sharp. He looks fit. He loves, loves pulling the shorts up. never letting sees, he's, he's, he's <laughs> his legs getting trained. He's one of these ones. Um, uh, yeah. There's no, no short confidence in the guy, which is good. Um, I would I would like to see him get a rerun. run um, but again is, you have to play Kyogo and if it's one up top you have to play Kyogo so you're going to have to just bide his time do the hard work and training um, there's definitely a player in there there's a there's a rawness about him um, so I'd like to see him stick around and get that chance
0: yeah same and, uh, and some kind of other news I suppose this week we had a new board member appointed so Celtic have appointed uh, a director of app, the former director of Apple services in London a non-executive board member and this is around content delivery with the club right now in the, the modern age the 21st century and all that good stuff you know the club of every club you know the league everyone in football everything to do with football this right now is all about content that's what all it is the football match is the biggest part of content of course that's what we all care about um but if you follow other clubs in any any sort of way you'll see that the media strategy of a club is a big a big wave that's going through football the now where the players the clubs the teams they want to be like closer to the fans they want to show the fans more access more behind the scenes stuff how is it really in here what really goes on how hard are the guys working you know how much do they care all that kind of jazz and you know we've seen tons of like flying the wall documentaries and all that kind of stuff i'm not sure i don't expect anything like that i don't think we're going to get like a you know, uh, all or nothing Celtic kind of thing off the back of this. But if anyone, if, if you're ever bored, if you look at Man City on YouTube and stuff like that, Man City do brilliant, like, content for, like, getting the players together and showing you, like, just them. If you know what I mean, you get to, you know, it's it's hard to put into words without it sounding all airy-fairy or whatever, right? But uh, when I see this, I, I think it's quite good. So I, I think we all love to see the players, like, you know, when they're like side by side that it's like who's who's the loudest in the shower or who's the blah, blah blah who's this one and that one and whatever um that's all good content it's all good fun you know so i think it's more going to modernize the club and move the club forward in that sense we'll probably have like a thorough japanese content arm probably get rolled out as well and like kanji writing and all that kind of stuff and you know so i think it's more of a kind of market strategy thing um or whatever did, did you see this yourself did you have any thoughts on it Hi.
1: I mean, I think certainly in the, last, again, in the last couple of years, we have improved that sort of fan-player engagement and, and relationships. And, and, you know, it is nice to see the sort of human side of the of the players. And, and you know, again, because I think there was there's a period in football where we're, as soon as a, a player doesn't, you know, sign an autograph or, or say hello or, or give a shirt out, then it's all over social media and they're apologising and all the rest of it. So I think there's, there's probably as a duty now for clubs to, to make sure that fans do feel involved with the club at all levels um, so it'll be interesting to see what the guy, what the guy can bring um, I, don't, I don't expect any big documentaries or anything like that but obviously we're at close links now with Japan and possibly South Korea with a, few, a couple more guys coming in that's definitely a, a, an area that, that, that we'll tap into because as we've seen already although there wasn't a huge crowd at the game yesterday to be fair um, there's certainly a buzz about Celtic being there um, and, and it's all well and good when we go to Australia or go to America where there's thousands and thousands of Celtic fans and it's great that they get the chance to, to see their heroes. Um, but there's probably untapped markets out there where we can really push the, the brand, as we would call it, and into and, and, and the, the ether of football. So um, I, I'm pretty sure that they've done a thorough research on the guy and he'll bring something to the club and um, it'll be interesting to see what he can, what he can bring.
0: Yeah, um, because I've got as one of the notes here is there's a current limitations on DVD distribution. Now, DVDs, I think at this point in time, are ancient technology. And we need more, like, you know, the Celtic TV, people you know, people pay for the subscription over there. There's obviously YouTube, like we've referenced already. But part of content as well is maybe stuff like, you know, flashbacks, you know, and highlight reels of, like, important players, important seasons, important games uh, kind of thing. And it's better now, I think, that all this stuff could probably be on YouTube and whatever, rather than you having to shell out 12 quids for a DVD or something like that. I know people do like these things, I suppose, for Father's Days and whatever, but um, <laughs> it's one of those ones, I guess, maybe. But, uh, you know, more of that stuff, the better. Because, again, it's, that, that's the team. And we are, as fans, like the way they've got, in terms of when it comes to this type of board member or whatever, this type of marketing angle, it's about customer uh, engagement. You know, they want us to feel like, we run the club and let everything that we want to see from the club doing they are doing. And obviously that's the kind of, we're all singing from the same hymn sheet kind of vibe we're getting from Brendan and Desmond and all this kind of stuff now. um So yeah, I'm quite hopeful that it's just going to be really fun behind the curtain. We maybe get a bit more stuff like that and maybe all their stuff that they're doing pretty well at. It's just maybe gets a wee bit more polished up, you know, like the wee, wee studio they have in the stadium and maybe the reset they've got in Lennox town and just wee bits of that. I think it'll all just probably level up and be very similar to again, to throw other clubs out there if you look at like ac milan's or social media or man united's and all these things they've got cool wee settings for the players to do all this stuff in and it just looks elite and by you bet your bottom dollar every player checks that stuff out when they're linked to teams and all that as they'll go and first thing they'll do is they'll look at us they'll look at fans What do the fans think and the rest of it they'll look at the main thing and it's all this perception stuff you know you want lennox town to be an elite training facility you want Parkhead to be a fortress and then like like with football's a bloody business. A lot of these players think about their own deals and stuff like that. And if they're in an environment that's going to help them with that, then again that helps us attract more players in that as well. So I think it's one of those ones where we probably won't really feel too much of it, but you'll start to see little oh, they make a wee video every day now telling us of something or you know, different wee bits and pieces like that might happen. But maybe something more grand like a documentary or something comes off the back of it, who knows? That'd be cool.
1: Uh, flying the wall. You know, behind the scenes, you know, seeing uh, Danny McGrain and, and Brendan having chats and, and such <laughs> like, would be good to see. That would be that would be giving us all an insight into finally what happens there. Um, they're like an episode of, of Corey rather than anything else. But, um, but aye, listen. So it all comes out pounding pence as well. Let's you if it can generate more money for the club, um, then that's that's only a good thing and more awareness of, of the club worldwide.
0: Yeah, because that's views for sponsors and all that kind of stuff as well. Now you're totally spot on. Um, and on a kind of, I don't know if it's even unrelated, it's sort of parallel, right? But we had some breaking news this morning, Matthew, that uh, Viaplay are probably going to be withdrawing from streaming, right? Which when I first read that, I thought it's a very odd distinction to make that they're not going to stream the game. So what, they're going to show them after they've been live or something still? or It sounded a wee bit funny, but uh, the notes that came through for us is basically they've, three years left on the contract with the SPFL. They've already paid the next 12 months in advance. So financially, Celtic Rangers, Hearts, Hibs, Motherwell, and everyone else in between are getting their TV money for this year. No problem, no matter what happens. Um, but, I, mate, this just feels like the same – this feels like Groundhog Day. It yeah. feels like we're always in the mire with some shitty TV deal that doesn't pay enough money – the companies went bust. The companies changed name. The company's been bought over. Or you know, how often does this happen? It happens like all the time. And no. Scottish football is like circling the drain financially because of this stuff.
1: Yeah, and, and we can talk about Celtic from a selfish point of view and how we're we're a growing brand and we've got money in the bank and we're we're touring Japan and, and all the rest of it. The bread and butter is always the the league and and how how we're. And the TV deals that are there to in order to, to, to let the fans around the country and the paying customer actually see the games, um, the SPFL and you Neil know, Doncaster and particular are are we're saying it again? But as you said, Groundhog Day. The same people um, running, you know, wearing the same suits and talking the same nonsense. you know what I mean? Just to try and they'll, they'll try and spin this in some way that is positive. The only way that they can do that is by possibly bringing in. Like you know, the new director we brought, I and mean, bringing in somebody who's going to actually come in and make substantial changes to the way that the Scottish game is broadcast, not just in our country but around the world. Um, I mean, via play to start off with, you know, that they're, they're going to be focusing on their Nordic um uh, viewing, which you know, traditionally, they my understanding is that they, they broadcast like Scandinavian documentaries and stuff. I mean they obviously dipped their toe into, into football and, and, and it's clearly not worked for them. So where's been the due diligence from from, from the, the people at the charge of our game to say that is this a, a reputable company who are going for the next five, ten years, grow our game and give it the, the, the recognition and, and the, the money that, that it deserves? Um. So as it's worrying again, you know, Sky, um, you know, the... The thing about Sky is that they're, they're probably very stable. We know that their, their service isn't as, as great as it used to be. They're a, they're a, a, staple, you know, a stable kind of firm to be in, in cahoots with, but they, they still don't give the game enough coverage and enough money, so it's concerning. It is concerning again. So we've got the Scottish Cup, uh, we've got, the, I think, the League Cup, we've also, there was international games. That we're all through it via play. Um, what's going to happen now with them? And I, I get that if they've paid up and if, if we have got another couple of years, or whatever it may be. But as it's back to square one again, um, and I just, I just hope, I just hope that this time surely they can try and and, and say that you know enough's enough. We need to get the best deal for the best money, um, and, and allow the consumer, the people who want to watch Scottish football, the opportunity to do that on a, on a consistent basis. Um, and the, the clubs up and down the leagues will will, you know, be able to watch their teams play without constantly behind a paywall um and, and, and get the sort of service that they deserve. So it was it was it was sad news to see it, um, but not surprising as well, because it just seems to happen all the time to eh? Scottish football. Yeah.
0: yeah, it's that vicious cycle, it never seems to end. And it really does feel like it really saddens me because like see for so much, like see being Scottish before being a Celtic fan for a second, like a big thing about being Scottish is you know, we invented shit. We are innovators. We are, you know, forward-thinking people. You know, this is very Scottish things that we all, you know, you're nodding. I, I don't, you know, everyone listening. This is probably nodding. You're like, yeah, that's us. Like, you know, <laughs> we invented the TV. You know, you know, that's us. You know, we're we are those people. So why the why why does the SF you know, football as well? Like, see, one thing. This is a kind of side note. I'm just going to hit you with quickly. Right, it makes it boils my blood. Whenever I see advertisement for the FA Cup and it says the oldest cup competition, because when you look at the, the the Scottish Cup, it's actually older. And when you see it on the telly, like again they tell you what date it was established, and they're too scared to say yeah. this is the oldest cup competition. Yeah. Get it up, you mm-hmm. FA Cup, you know, <laughs> and. There's there's just no gumption about let's take our game and do what, what should be done with it. It's for yeah. the people of Scotland. It's for the people in Motherwell, it's for the people in Glasgow, Aberdeen, Dundee, fucking everywhere in between, to get their kids playing football, to support their local team. And you know you don't need me to tell all this stuff. But by then, like with the TV stuff. We've seen a lot of, I don't want to go too pie in the sky, right, but we've seen a lot of developments in world football over the last five years. This Saudi Arabia stuff, right, just as a little side note, a lot of that's TV money because they were pirating the Premier League for bloody donkeys and then they get caught out. So now they're just going to go and make their own Premier League and just get all the TV money. That's probably what they're up to, you know, uh, Never mind like all the Sky deals over the years and the BT deals and whatever, but when you look across world football now, Saudi Arabia are making those moves. The MLS have got some mad crazy deal with Apple. They've cut Lionel Messi in on the deal for subscriptions to Apple TV. They're putting every game on the telly. Doesn't matter if you're going to watch it or not. If you're mm-hmm. a fan, you can. There's going to be shows on all the time. There is all that stuff on all over the place. And I've seen it in other divisions as well across world football where, like Korean football, you can just go onto Kleague.tv and you can watch every Korean game as it happens with English commentary. And Japan, Korea, all these players, every league around the world is trying their best to get as many eyeballs on them as possible without the, the attraction of a Celtic, let's say, for example, you know, in their divisions necessarily, you know, we're talking about Korea and some of these other places, Russia and whatever. But there's no innovation from Scotland. It's just, we need someone to take our TV deal. How much will you pay us? Okay, they only paid us 80 million. Thanks, guys. You know, and that's it. There's no, like, grab the bull by the horns. Let's do something a bit different. Let's try and make something happen ourselves. Start a fucking website. Make it on YouTube, members, and, like, charge everyone. I don't know. There's so many things you could do, and there's just no initiative. There's no nothing, you know, like.
1: I mean, we've heard this so many times like the Netflix model, you know, where where, you, where you, everybody pays a subscription, and you've got access. I mean, you might the football fans in this country, with the grudge paying 10, 15 quid a month, to be able to get access to games, to be able to get access to their club, to be able to get access to, to you know maybe reserve games or under 23 games. And we can start to actually see who are the up and coming Scottish players that are coming through. Um, I think we need to, it you know, all goes back as well to league reform, uh, you know, with the split. You know, again, it, it, there, there's going to be um, broadcasters or, or you know, people out there that are looking at the Scottish football and going, what is this? You know, why, why are they splitting the league with, with six games to go that you've got the team who's seventh, get more points than the team who's fifth and, you know, and the same teams are playing each other three and four times. Um, so that that's, that's where it boils down to a lot of it for me is that they need to look at it. expanding the SPFL and they look to, it, you know, bringing through some other clubs through that are going to be able to um, add something to the game and benefit from it. You know, we, you know, we talk about down south, the championship is that, you know, it's a big country, England, but there's teams down there who, you know, you know, it's like the third highest, um, you know, attendances in, in, in world football or whatever, you know. Yeah. And, and I, you know, that's that, that got to maybe take a wee leaf out of that and say, yep, it's all good that we've got these big clubs down there, but they deserve to either have their chance up the league or brand the other leagues a lot better and give them a chance at success. So it comes down to the people at the top. They don't understand what fans want. They won't allow supporters and supporters groups, their voice to be heard. Um, they just insist, as you say, insist on just taking what they can and spinning it to be that it's a positive. And um, you, you use the phrase circling the drain. I mean, it's, it's a scary thought to think what could potentially happen. And Celtic, out uh, of pure um, selfishness, well, well, that's why we've talked about it for years you know, European Super Leagues and different things, is in order for us to sustain the, the levels that we are capable of we need to start looking at that. And it's a shame because, you know, Scotch football is a bread and butter and we want to be successful there and be part of a successful league that's branded well, that have teams competing in Europe season in, season out. Um, but the longer that the people are in charge are there, then the less, less likely that is going to happen.
0: Yeah, no, I'd agree, and I think like probably I'm trying to think as we're talking. What would the kind of what you've made some good uh, kind of devil's advocate points there as well. I think one of the things a lot of people say back to this as well, along with league form, uh, uh, league reformation, is that the game isn't that attractive. The game isn't that good. Now I totally disagree with that because I think there is if you were going to be quite clever with marketing the Scottish game, the way you would market it, if you were to be clever, in my opinion is you would frame it as modern-day, old-school football. You know, like, do you miss football in the 80s? Well, it's still happening in Scotland. Like, you know, like, do you miss just no-nonsense tackles and, like, red cards and crap refs? It's in Scotland, you know, like, because a lot of people don't like Premier League and some people, I love Bundesliga and La Liga. That's not everyone's cup of tea. There's tons of football fans out there, not just in the UK, that hate the modern game, hate tiki-taka and playing out with goalkeepers and crazy formations and all that. There's millions of football fans who just want to see some 442 and some knee-high challenges, you know. Um <laughs> yeah. and, like we've got that. That's nothing to be, we don't need yeah. to change the game. You just need to understand what it is and lean into the good parts about it and maybe make the rest a bit better, you know, actually pay for a good var system that works, maybe get some goal-line technology and just clean it up a bit. But you don't need to re you don't need to change the identity of it because it's our it's our game. You know what I mean? It's Scottish. Yeah. Thoroughly. <laughs> Aye, it absolutely
1: is. And I think we see that with snippets on, on Twitter constantly about how, you know, we've seen already with Undy United and pre season. And, you know, I, I think we don't work with, you know, guy, coaches, you know, attacking fans and stuff like that. So we we, we don't want to take that away from the game. <laughs> um, totally. We want to Scottish football to be Scottish football uniquely. Um, but I think they're trying too hard to, to change it to something that it's not. And and I get, you know, you have to make some tweaks in order to make it appetizing to, to broadcasters, etc. But I think you're I think you're actually right. I think, you know, we should be able to lean into the stuff that makes us unique, the weather and the, the, yeah. the, the pitches, the plastic pitches and all that kind of stuff. And um but it's it's we're having the same conversations every two or three years with the T V deals and, and, and we're getting we're getting shafted, you know. We're going to see on Sky, no doubt we'll see. We've already seen a bit of the Saudi Arabian stuff with Ronaldo, when he went there, we're probably going to see more of it. The Premier League's only going to, you know, want then more money from Sky to try and get themselves, you know, so they can go and buy the guys for 50, 60 million every week. So what will they do? Or Scottish football will show less games or we'll invest less in it. But it's okay because, you know, they've got nowhere else to watch the games. That's when the SPFL should be standing up. as you say. standing up saying, no, this is our game. You've paid us money for a long time. Um we want the best deal and these are our demands if you want to show scottish football and you love scottish football sky here's what we expect from you here's what we want this is what our supporters want to see um and and, and if that's and you know call their bluff if they say well that's fine we'll, you know go elsewhere right fine go and create their own model or go elsewhere and try and find it um but i, I don't think they'll do that they're too scared
0: yeah i think you're there as well um it's just covered and that kind of—it's just, yeah. But that's what it comes across as, anyway. And I think, in terms of league reformat and stuff like that, I could talk about that Um certainly to the cows come home. But yeah, it's—it's it's, it's one of those ones where it'll be interesting to see how it all kind of bubbles down. Another interesting detail, probably, to finish this point on, is we've just recently seen that's the, the the scheduled changing of the guard—you know, Michael Nicholson's stepped down, the Rangers guy stepped up for the SFA role. I, I forget exactly what the position is, so. I'm so glad that there's somebody at Rangers now deciding all this stuff for <laughs> the Scottish game while this is happening. Yay. <laughs> so I'm sure it's not going to be drama free and without court cases. Um. <laughs> well, there was, there was,
1: there's, aye. I think, I think what, listen, they just, what, they just copies, don't they? Because Lawwell obviously was, was the puppeteer for so long, you know, Scottish game. So they want to jump in on that, you know. So let, let, let them do it, crack on, see what happens. Yeah.
0: Well, until the next time, we'll have to wait and see on that. Matthew, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. I've had a great time going through everything that's happened this week. Um, I hope everyone that's listened to this has enjoyed it. Matthew's Twitter handle, by the way, I should have said this at the beginning. It's on screen in case you want to check him out on Twitter. Matthew, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Sorry. Thanks for having us, mate. Really enjoyed it. And uh, aye, hail, hail. Hail, hail. On screen now is some other stuff that we've made that YouTube thinks you might enjoy. I also made a little explainer for rare For any Celtic fans, I going going to get stuck on that for this season. And yeah, have a great day.